Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The mind is a complex thing. Perhaps your own minds are right now firing off in all different directions because of this statement I just made. Why did he even say that? What does he have in mind, you might think? It is not an earth-shattering statement that the mind is a complex thing. Unless you are asleep, your mind is always thinking about something, whether you want to or not. Even a sound or absence of sound makes you wonder about something. Just a particular smell might trigger some memory in your mind, whether you want to or not. That event may have happened years ago. You may not have been actively thinking about it, but suddenly it happens, and it takes you there to that moment, and your mind may linger there for a while. You could take your mind off that event quickly if you wanted to, but sometimes it takes some effort to do that. There are some happy events and some not so happy, happy ones but your mind can recall them just like that. You may be listening to the radio program or out walking or driving or playing a game. Then suddenly, just for a little while, your mind wanders to some event from the past. You may choose to ignore whatever comes to mind, but sometimes you may decide to dwell on it, especially if it was a pleasant experience. But even if what comes to your mind triggers some painful issues for you, your mind may still linger on it. Sometimes you may wish it away after a while, and that will be it for you. It goes away. Other times, you may choose to forget it immediately it occurs, and you may be successful. The mind is so complex. No wonder Psychologists, biologists, and neuroscientists have been doing research on the mind for a very long time. That desire to understand the greatest enigma of all, our own minds, has led to the development of theories and experiments aimed at explaining the mechanics of being human. One recent theory proposes that the human brain is a complex adaptive system. No surprise here. It is composed of relatively specialized structures that work together to generate responses to our environment. Our thoughts, feelings, and behaviors are rooted in the brain where a complex network of cells receives information. The information is transformed into our experience of ourselves, our relationships, and the world around us. So although the, the, the mind and the brain are not one and the same thing, they are related. Your mind is how you uniquely experience life. It's responsible for how you think, feel, and choose. And your physical brain responds to these unique experiences. Researchers conclude that a comprehensive theory explaining the most complex system known to humanity has only begun. Maybe someday they'll figure it all out as they continue with their research. Maybe they never will. Last week, Pastor Steve started us off with a sermon series on the book of First Peter. As he mentioned, the original recipients of this letter 
were Christians who were in exile. They were refugees. If you've personally talked to some refugees or watched news reports about them, you can picture how much pressure they are under. Forcibly uprooted from their own culture and environment to one where they currently have no authority or say in their government, their lives can be quite unhappy. They may be wishing to go back, but for now are not able to do so. For some, they would never be able to go back. All the memories they have from their countries of origin may forever remain just that, memories. A lot about that goes through their minds often. They did not do anything to deserve being persecuted. Now we can only imagine what was going through the minds of the original recipients of Peter's letter as they remained in exile simply because they were Christians. Now as far as I know, Peter was not a neuroscientist, nor a psychologist, nor a biologist, but he seemed to be quite well aware of what the mind is capable of doing under the great stress that the exiles were undergoing. And he addresses that in connection with their conduct in exile. He wrote, therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. He knew their minds in their current situation could lead them to anger and bitterness against those whose persecution forced them to flee to the places in what is today Turkey. Their minds could cause them to be extremely unhappy and were already doing so probably at this point. Since Peter did not have expertise about the mind, we can conclude that he was led by God to write as he did. In fact, he has made us aware that all scripture is inspired by God, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit did not have to carry out any research. He already knew. And he guided Peter to write this encouraging letter to the exiles. Peter himself had not preached the gospel to them, but he knew they had received the same gospel that he had received directly from Jesus Christ. He reminded them of that before he addressed the mind situation and what that could do to them. He wrote, Praise be to God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. He reminded them of God's immeasurable love for them in Jesus Christ. Being exiles cannot change that. He cannot take that love away. And Peter tells them in verses 15 and 16 of our, of our text for today, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. It was not a new revelation from God. It was something he already said in the Old Testament reading, be holy because I am holy. Now, holy is not a term we are comfortable applying to ourselves. And when God, through his prophets and apostles, tells his followers to be holy because he is holy, that can be a scary thing. Indeed, it is scary. 
As some of you may readily recall, the meaning of holy is to be set apart from the world and following God's standards. Not set apart so that you are living in isolation from those who do not believe in Jesus, but that your life may reflect who he is. He is holy and he has made you holy with his precious blood since you believe in him. That means being willing to forgive those who have hurt you. That means being willing and eager to follow his commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Peter did not want them to say that what God demands is impossible to fulfill perfectly and therefore simply giving it up. Rather, they should have confidence in the one in whom they had believed. They should have such confidence that they examine their lives and especially their minds and realize that they did not always reflect Jesus, they would go to him in repentance. And because Jesus died for their sins and keeps his promises, he would definitely forgive them. Peter wrote to exiles. In a way, you are exiles too in this world. God's love is not diminished by what happens to you. Just like the holy exiles Peter wrote to, you are holy exiles too. Now, we are not exiles in the same way, and all things considered, we will probably never become exiles in that way. Still, we are exiles. We live in this world, but we are not of this world. So we pay attention to how we live. We pay attention to what happens in our minds, because that is where a lot of the things that we do that are against God and people come from. We get thoughts and ideas, some very quickly. And if we are not careful, we act on them. Someone cuts in front of you at a long grocery checkout lane, and you may get angry and speak angrily to that person. Someone cuts in front of you when you are driving, and you decide in a split second to do something about it. Your unhappy reaction may only be in your mind. At a different time, somebody gossips about you, and you get to know about it. Or maybe someone says something insulting directly to your face, and you may quickly react angrily to that. Or you may look for an opportunity to do something that may be painful emotionally to the person in return. You may think about it for quite a while, whether or not to forgive. Thoughts go from your mind to action, sometimes actions that you will later regret. Even though we are not certain about how the mind works, we know for sure that it is powerful and influences many things we do. But what if you do what Peter said instead? Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. You are not trying to earn anything. You are simply honoring the one who has taken you from a guilty verdict on the last day to innocent on that last day. Christ Jesus has established a relationship with us. The only way that can be broken is if we want out. And we will show that we want out if we don't ever change our minds when his word nudges us to see what we have done, done wrong. When such is the case, he would hold us accountable. 
If we take control of our minds, it will save us from a lot of trouble. If the uncontrolled mind says to you, take revenge, the alert and sober mind, to be sure, neither you, nor I, nor anyone else in this world can make ourselves holy by controlling our minds. But remember, God has stepped in to make us a holy people, people set apart for him. We don't have to move heaven and earth to make ourselves holy, and we can't. It's impossible. God has done that. He moved heaven and earth to make you his children. He reaped the heavens, so, so to speak, so that his son could come through. He moved the earth so that even after Jesus was crucified, died, and was buried, he rose again. Jesus died and rose again for all sins we commit, even for all the negative things our minds can conjure up and which sometimes we act upon. He died and rose again for the times we fall short when we fail him, so that when we confess our sins, he forgives us and keeps us in the faith. You may be ashamed to confess whatever you did wrong, but he is not ashamed to hear you. He will restore you. He will lift up your spirit once again. God has paid the price we deserve if we were left on our own to pay what we could never pay. So continue living as God's people because you are holy exiles, born again, redeemed by Christ, new people, children of God, who honor God and neighbor in mind and in action. So that the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.